0: Promises, and I promise if you missed last week, you'll want to get a hold of that and not have a bowl of soup, but just get a hold of that sermon. We're talking about two brothers, one trading a, a bowl of soup for an inheritance, the, the whole inheritance, because he was stuck in a moment. One moment, this man was stuck. And he was the firstborn, so with law and the rules of all of that, just like a prince would be, he would inherit the kingdom. But yet, because he was so hungry, he gave it up instantly. And we'd sometimes have the satisfaction of just something instant. And that's the way our world has turned for so long. I mean, I, I watch this thing on TV, how they, they talked about how people actually used to go to the diner and sit for an hour and get their food and wait, but we can't even, we would flip out over that now because everything's so fast, fast-paced, fast food, the microwave's not fast enough. The, sitting in lines are, you know what I mean? Everything, the internet needs to be fast. Everything has to be so, and so for this moment, we get it and we let go of something else and we regret it later. Like, oh my gosh, I just let go of my inheritance. Oh my gosh, I just let go of all that. So we're going to get into this next one. And what's amazing is, you know, as we go to church, we hear these stories of Jesus and what he's done, the miracles, miracles. If you're blind, you could see. If you can't hear, you're going to hear. And even if Jesus wasn't even on your radar some woman with the issue of blood was going to reach out and touch him anyway. People got set free. Demons got released. People oppressed were free. Minds were transformed. All this stuff took place. These disciples followed him. They, they, they let go of what they were doing to follow a higher cause. Cost, cost. And they followed after and was watching and learning at the same time. I think that's sometimes where we can get it jacked up because we, we feel that with the, the church of America that we have to go through 101, 201, 301, all these steps before we're ever to be used. When Jesus took the disciples and put them in a circle and says, hey, we're going to change the world. Well, what are you talking about? I'm a mess. I'm a cussing fool. I'm a doubting Thomas. I'm a, you know, you could start naming all the disciples and their flaws. Well, shouldn't we get it together 1st We'll get it together through the process. If we waited so long, nobody would get anything done. And so these disciples came, and they, they, they were with the rabbi, which is teacher. And they followed after him in his footsteps, questioning things because it was something different. All we've heard about is with Moses and Aaron and Abraham and Isaac. And, but then there's this man We heard this other man that was acting crazy talking about prepare the way of the Lord, which was John the Baptist, and some people didn't realize that was his cousin. We heard that there was somebody coming, and then he shows up, and stuff starts happening, and it disrupts the establishment. I feel, and I hate, I'm not saying this pridefully, but I feel that at times that remnant church disrupts the establishment. I don't know why. And it's nothing trying to be bad. I'm just saying, like, why do I have to do it that way? Why can't we just do it the other way? Like, you know how many people were tore up by the fact that we were giving away food and did not ask for people's address, EBT card, blood sample, whatever. No, I'm serious. And I, I, we kind of joke about it, but I'm not even joking. Like, it's serious. People are upset about that. There's no judgment. I don't care if you're hungry, eat. If you're, listen, if you're struggling, the last thing you want to do is try to find your paperwork to to say you're struggling. And so that disrupts the establishment. I feel like that happens at times. I'm like, God, did you create me with a wooden spoon? I got a spoon. (laughs) He's got a wooden spoon. (laughs) Because it feels like the pot gets stirred. And what I love is Jesus was that man. They're like, this is what the scroll says. And he's like, look, I'm going to tell you right now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's going to take all your Ten Commandments and put them in one. What? They, see, they were always trying to trip him up. Mad because he healed somebody on the Sabbath and they carried their mat away. Well, they probably should have. You know, he, can't you give him credit? He wasn't littering. Well, I could have left it. I don't need my mat anymore. Well, I'm going to carry it home. Because you did work by carrying something, they're mad about that. Instead of the fact that the man can walk, or the blind man that can see, that's not real. What, I've been faking it for 30 years? That's what I want to do every day. I just want to sit out there in that corner and act like I'm blind. Listen, some of my greatest heroes are in the Bible, man. Some of these guys that were blind, they're like, what, you want to be a follower? You keep asking me these crazy questions. Do you want to follow Jesus? Tears up and they'd start tearing their clothes. These religious people Getting mad But all this goes on all this happens and you see miracle after miracle and you see stuff like button heads because Jesus comes to change the whole thing What he was doing he was getting ready for this moment today. He was starting the church He was getting we're in the moment after he died the, the, the like I've said so many times One of the biggest things he said as he is ascending into heaven, go to Jerusalem and wait. What was about to happen? The birth of the church. Everywhere. To the point we're in right now. Bartered promises. So I said all this and just kind of getting all that. Just remembering everything Jesus did. And there's so much more he did that I didn't say. And that is not even in the Bible because there was too much. You're going to have Bible after Bible just for that stuff. But there was one man that was with him the whole time through a lot of this. One man that we can say his name and we already already know there's a problem. His name is Judas. Now see, we don't think of Judas as a man that was a follower of Christ. We think of Judas as the man who betrayed Jesus. And we forget that that man was a disciple that Jesus called. One of the 12. We forget that Jesus called this, this man. I'll say it like this. Whether Jesus sold him out for some money or not, Jesus was still going to die some way or another. Because he had you on mind to die for the sins of the world. We're going to go ahead and get into this. I'll have a read. This, it is so good. Judas, Judas, Judas is a, uh, he's a hard man to talk about. Not everybody preaches about Judas, but welcome to Remnant Church. We're going to talk about a bartered promise that changed a lot of things.
1: Ready? I want to give just a little bit of backstory through scripture on Judas and take you to John chapter 12, verses four through six. And we're going to read this out of the message. And it says, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, even then getting ready to betray him said, why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. He said this is, he said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a thief he was in charge of their common funds but also embezzled them now this was the moment when mary broke the alabaster jar at the feet of jesus so that she could anoint his feet and prepare him and begin to wash his feet with her hair and it ticked judas off it made him so mad because she took this bottle Which he he was pretty much this was like a year's worth of wages and you just wasted it Pretty much that thought of you know what we could have done with that money For himself because he was and I love that It says in the message like this that it says he did not care two cents about the poor He had no thought about the poor. It wasn't because the money could have been used to help feed the poor It was the fact that he wanted to know what could have been put in the treasury for himself Judas was a thief. He had the mindset of a thief Then you go on to Matthew 26, verse 14 through 16, and it says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. What's crazy is Judas had been living and walking with Jesus, and already in his heart he had the thought to betray him. Then he put his thought into action and went to the chief priest to betray him and this is all leading up to the moment of betrayal which is passover Where we are today today is passover and what ends up happening is you go on Just giving you a quick backstory into john 13 21 And it says after saying these things jesus troubled in his spirit and testified Truly truly. I say to you one of you will betray me This is setting down with jesus and the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Here's, here's Simon looking like, bro, ask him who it is. Hey, come on, ask him. Ask him who it is. You know, they're all just looking at each other like, I know it's not me. Is it you? Is it you?
0: You ever had problems at the dinner table?
1: Ooh.
0: You know you try to make a meal and sit down nice and then something disrupts. Anybody had a disrupt moment ever at the dinner table? Like it almost shakes everything. Like you have a mindset of sitting down and enjoying. For them, they, they got the room, they were getting prepared, they're getting ready for this feast of unleavened bread and it was the first night of it. So they're getting ready to gather. Just like getting ready to have a good Thanksgiving meal, everybody's sitting down, and somebody's going to say something. Yeah. Somebody's going to argue. Somebody's going to do something. And you're like, you try to bring it together, and you almost have a moment of like, there goes the neighborhood. I'm about to lose my mind right here. Because, you know, what's-her-name shouldn't have brought that kid because he's just got me upset now.
2: What's sad, though, is you don't see people go at the dinner table anymore. No. You don't see people because when I was a child, we would go to the dinner table and we would talk about the day and we would talk about certain things. And that's when daddy came home. And some of us got in trouble sometimes because he hadn't heard anything yet. And so we discussed things at the table. I didn't even know how to use it. So anyway, (laughs) but we would discuss things at the table. You know what I mean? And I think the problem with this is the disciples didn't even know. What was even going on? You got some people around you that's sitting at your table that don't even... You don't even know what's going on. You don't even know that they're a thief. You're sitting cozy by somebody that you don't even know they're a thief. And you're sitting there eating with them. Come on, somebody. And, and the problem is that you don't even know. You don't even know there there's a problem there. And that, that's, that's a concern When we're sitting with people, and that's not saying that we don't break bread with people. That's not saying that we don't, we broke bread yesterday. No, we broke a lot of bread yesterday. But sometimes when you sit at a table and you break bread with somebody, you minister to them. But you need to be careful getting cozy to somebody sitting at a table when they could be a thief to you.
1: It says, So that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. And so when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money back, Jesus, Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. Go on into Matthew 27 3 through 10. This is after Judas goes and Jesus is praying at the garden, and Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And he's handed over. And isn't it so funny that, you know, God still allowed Judas to come in and do all that. And he knew what was going on. But, the, but Judas, you know, tried to still get off with himself thinking that, you know, I'm going to go up and kiss Jesus and just trick him. I'm, I'm gonna, and Jesus all along knew what was going on. And so here after that, Judas comes out. And this scripture that hits me is it says, after saying these things, um, That's the wrong scripture. Sorry about that. It says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back his 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests And the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, 'What What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought... And bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set, by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed me. And the last little part that goes on when it's talking about the church is acts 1 15 through 20 says in those days peter stood up among the brothers the company of persons was all about 120 and said brothers the scripture had to be fulfilled which the holy spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of david concerning judas who became a guide to those who arrested jesus for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open into a middle, in, in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, that is field of blood for it is written in the book of Psalms. May his camp be desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. What's crazy to me as I think about Judas and what he did was not only did Judas when he traded, he, first of all, he traded his soul. He traded his soul by allowing, by allowing the enemy to come in and fulfill him and take over what God had purposed for him. But not only did he trade his soul, he traded his soul purpose. See, our purpose and what was their purpose as they began as uh, disciples was to bring glory to god's name and to bear witness to who he was and the fact of it is is that judas from the very beginning did not have a mindset of that fully he never fully came to appreciate the love that god had given him the position that he had he never fully came to give himself to god and say i fully want to serve from you he never fully allowed himself to be released of past things it said he was a thief we don't know fully what he did exactly before it came into this but he it had to be accounting or something like that because he was over money he he had handled things and what happened was he became over the money in the treasury for the disciples and he was stealing from them and what's crazy is that god began to speak to me and tell me that not only did he trade his sole purpose he traded his soul but he traded the ability to be a giver in order to continue to be a taker and what's crazy is I think about the taker mentality that's in this world right now. And that taker mentality filled his mind so heavily that it even took him to take his own life. He never had the ability to really realize what it was to be a giver, what it was to be a servant, what it was to serve somebody, what it was to serve God. Because when you are in of service to somebody... They are as a master over you. I love the scripture we've talked about several times that says, you know, I'm a bond servant to Jesus Christ. And what that is, is that you say you're going to give everything, not just part. I'm not just going to serve you today and walk out and do what I want tomorrow. I'm not just going to do this little bit of thing and then uh, say later, I need forgiveness for doing that because I wanted to do it. You're not really sorry. You're just sorry you got caught. You're sorry for the conviction that you feel in your heart, but you're willing to go back out and do it again until that conviction comes back in and you roll the same cycle over and over. And in reality, you think you are a giver unto Jesus when all you are is a taker because all you're taking is forgiveness and you are not giving out anything. You just think you are. You want to take grace, but you don't want to extend it in other things that you're doing in your life in the way of showing God's grace, showing his mercy and his love.
2: And I looked but he, up, even faked, he even faked to the disciples. He even faked his friends. Because, see, some people are so fakers, but they can be, it's a masquerade. They have this mask upon them, and everybody can't see beyond it because people don't even know how to discern it. You know, I looked at, I looked at the ROCT group that was with us. And I went up to almost every one of them, and I said, you're not just. You're not volunteers. Your workers, because a volunteer will be part time. You know, you can say I'm going to volunteer, but then you don't do your full excellence. So, see, Judas was a part time worker. He just faked all the other disciples that he was in full time with them, but he was really robbing and thieving them. So he put his mask on to look like. And you know, you know when you see somebody, and all of a sudden you're down and out, and you're at the last. bit of stuff that you have to go put away and we've worked hard and you see people fall away and you go, Oh, wait a minute. Come here. We got the last things that we have still have to do. And, and some people, and I'm not saying that people, you know, are not tired. you see what I'm saying? But when you get in your excellence and you're coming, you're giving everything that you got, he didn't give everything that he had. And I wrote this down. Are you willing are you willing to sell your eternal treasure for a handful of coins? Are you willing to sell your eternal treasure for a handful of coins? What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? First thing he said. Because they didn't, they didn't ask. They didn't say, hey, we want to give you this, Judas. No, Judas went to them. And said, what are you willing to give me? You ever, you ever get to a place when you're, even in your own soul, and you can check yourself, but what are you willing to give me?
1: Well, what if you even ask it like this? Have you ever found yourself saying, well, if I do this, what can I get out of that? If I do this, what can I get out of that? If I, if I do this, if I do that, am I going to get anything out of it? Because I don't really want to if I'm not going to get anything.
2: Well, because them. self is more interested than Christ. Yourself can be more interested than Christ. His self was more interested than selling out to Christ. Our, our own selves. And that's the problem because we still have self in the way.
0: We have to get past that. that. That happens individually because people want something, want credit. Churches do the same thing. You know, what do we get out of that? You, you try to rally a bunch of churches in the city. Somebody wants to Take credit for it.
2: Well, to give gave more pleasure than to serve.
0: Yeah. And when you think of the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what church. You just, you do because that's who God is in you. And that scripture in the Bible, and people kind of twist this scripture up, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money I've seen it many times. People post it, money is the root of evil. Money this, money that. It's, no, it's the love of money. It's all good if you got money. I don't care how much you got. But when it's the love, the, what happened with Judas? The love of money. He's calling, talking to uh, these Pharisees and stuff, trying to figure out what kind of, or the priest, he's trying to figure out what kind of money he's going to get out of that. Every time something went down, he was always worried about something else. Well, you telling me we're going to feed people? with we. We ain't got the money to feed 5,000 people. Uh, and what's Jesus doing? Like, man, give me some bread and fish. And it's always people with the simple-minded of, like, you got a little faith. And even, like, when we look at the stuff that we've done here at the church with, with our community, it's those moments. If, if we can look at it through the, the lens of Christ, that faith walk, say, we might have a little bit, I'm telling you, but God's going to multiply this. And we're going to keep going, and what happens is is people see that. But see, Judas was so narrow-minded that he could never see the big picture of the kingdom of God. He could never see it. And, and it, it almost takes me back to the rich young ruler, because the rich young ruler was, was over finances and stuff. But what if he would have chose to follow Christ? We wouldn't have the issue with Judas. That's right. But yet, because he was a lover of money. He literally looked Christ in his eyes for real and walked away. Right. Okay. And then Judas, we got Judas's issue. Too many times that money can dictate a lot of stuff. You know how they, they, they have the statistic of how many marriages fall apart over money. Yeah, you're right. Friendships fall apart over money. Let a friend borrow money and not pay you back. See what happens. Has anybody lost money from somebody that you've... Yeah, so we got people in the room. Yeah, exactly. And will you do it again? Well, probably not. <laughs> but the thing is, is money is, is something that some people get so consumed with. I remember hearing stories of, of big corporate people, a, a CEO committing suicide because his stock went down. I guess he didn't own $500 million, He went down to $300 million. And commit suicide because he didn't think he could make it. It was falling apart. Money becomes your God. And, and this sermon wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to say it like this. That's why we have problems with people not wanting to be obedient and tithing and giving. Say it. Go ahead. No,
3: I was going to say that, <laughs> that the love of money causes you to love money so much that you're not willing to give to God what he asked for. And, and because we're more passionate about what we make in our hand, the tangible, than we are to see the supernatural things come to pass when we obey the word of God. It uh, takes me to uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will stand devo- uh, devotedly by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That is the earthly possessions or anything else you trust and rely on instead of God. And, and he's talking about money. And, and that's where Judas was. It's interesting to me that Judas was willing to give up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But it goes to show it right here. No servant can serve two masters because he'll love the one and hate the other. He loved money more than he loved Jesus. Isn't it funny that he still followed him? Because we got a lot of people sitting in the church today that love money more than they do Jesus, but yet they claim to follow him.
0: So and I right? think that sometimes do you, in these moments, maybe he followed him because he would, the blessings of the Lord were upon that crowd. So people gave. Judas was in charge. It felt good. I'm going to put more in here and let's just be real. The scripture talks about how he was a thief. We're not making stuff up here. He had a side hustle. Judas did basically doing all this stuff and you, you can't, like you said, you can't serve two. people get so consumed with that and it doesn't help with the way our world's going. We have to seriously get focused in our mind and in our heart, how we need to direct ourselves.
3: Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Throw that up there for me, Christy, if you would. I'm going to read it out of what she's got, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living And, if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of my faith in me. But listen to the Passion Translation. This is so crazy. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at at once completely reject and disown your life. (laughs) And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. He's saying, You have to be willing to completely deny yourself if you want to follow me. The funny thing is, is that Judas would not deny himself. He kept the possession of money in his hand. He loved money more than he loved God. He loved money more than he loved Jesus. And Judas saw the miracles. He saw the signs and wonders. He saw, he saw Jesus' compassion and willingness to, to reach people that nobody else wanted to reach. But yet he still would not surrender to it. He would not lay down his own life because he was passionately in love with money more than he was Jesus. And crazy thought here. I'm about to screw your whole world up because it screwed mine up. Last night when I was praying, God began to speak to me about something, and it it messed me up bad. There is a saying that goes around in the students, and I might have to explain this a little bit because most people probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say this. They had this sick thing that they talk about today, and it's called, what is your body count? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any students in the room know what I'm talking about? Yeah, notice people that raised their hand with students. The body count is this. When they come up to you and ask you what your body count is, what they're asking is how many people have you slept with. God spoke to me last night and messed me up, and he said, what is your spiritual body count? How many other lovers are you in bed with and you never deny yourself and follow me the way you were intended to? How many other lovers did Judas have in his life that he was more passionate about and never really followed him? So God's asking you today, what is your spiritual body count? How many other lovers are you in bed with and you will not deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me? You're in love with so many other things that you won't even deny yourself and follow him the way you were intended to follow him. Man, it messed me up because I had to sit back in my own life and say, man, I'm in love with this, I'm in love with this, I'm in love with this. And I had to look in, inside myself and say, I'm not really denying everything about me so that I can truly surrender to who Christ is and really become the example of him in the earth. I have to surrender to that. Judas surrendered to money rather than to God. What are you surrendering to today today? That keeps you from really truly knowing him. And I started thinking about this as God was speaking to me last night. How many of us get frustrated when we don't see the blessing come on our life the way we want it to? Or the miracles come in our life the way we want it to? When I pray over my body and I don't see the miracle. It's because we have so many other lovers in our life. And we don't put him first. We want miracles without communion.
1: That's the scripture that goes exactly along with this, though, is that talking about faith and works, okay? So your faith and your works, and looking at this, it says in James 2, 19 through 20, it says, Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do for them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works into two and not end with just a corpse on your hands? What's crazy is that Judas would profess that he believed in God. He professed it to the point that he literally took on the personification Of a disciple that dutifully followed God. That served God with everything that he had within him. Yet on the outside, his actions were completely separated from what he had said. He was speaking double. See, Judas reminds me of the kid who has his hand in two cookie jars. Because he was dipping bread with Jesus while he was dipping bread, money, in the world. He had both hands in the cookie jars. And he wanted to eat and have his cake and have it his own way and eat it all at the same time. And it didn't work that way. He more relied on things. And what what got me out of this is it says, use your head so you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works into two. And I think what hit me the most about this is it said demons do that. See, what's crazy is if you don't realize is that two-thirds of the angels that fell went along with satan to roam the earth and do things and they know about jesus why do you think they come to fight you so hard for your faith because they know the reality and the power that it holds they know all about it and they can say they know it but they don't live for him they don't discern what's right for him they live for themselves that's why it's a spirit of self and selfishness that fills this world And the thing about it is, is that we try, I think, so hard to say with our words that we love God. See, what's crazy is Judas sat at the table. He was in the inner circle with Jesus Christ. He had the opportunity that none of us will ever have until we get to heaven. To literally walk in flesh with Jesus. To literally be able to touch him, to hug him, to love on him. To feel the tangible love of God. And he still could not separate himself from what he wanted. He was still a taker. And that what was crazy to me is that God began to speak to me about faith and works. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? You say you believe in God, but does all your actions. And I'm not talking about just going and serving at an Easter Easter event that we did yesterday. I'm not talking about that I'm talking about your daily act- actions the ones that nobody sees the ones that you do on your own what do those show because faith and works go hand in hand they go hand in hand just like he just said preaching the gospel with less words well how do we do that if we don't act like we talk and we wonder why people have a hard time loving Jesus is because our lip service doesn't act match up to our actions. We say so many things, but then you can go off and every other word out your mouth can be a cuss word or every other thing you do is watching things maybe you shouldn't be watching or sitting and doing things, yelling at your kids when other people are seeing. Do you I know what so I'm saying? What do you love? Just like he said, what are you in bed with at those moments? And the thing about it is, is that we have to be careful that we are not, see, what's crazy to me is I look at this world and I look at how suicide has become so great and rising more and more over the years. And what God began to speak to me is he said, before before the first suicide was ever had ever taken place in the Bible what happened and on this earth is that Judas in himself committed spiritual suicide before he ever outwardly did because whether you like it or not what's on the inside is going to come out and what he had done was he had literally cut himself off from the spirit of the Lord he spent time with God but he did not know God actually he sold him out His exchange was to give up God so that he could take on the world. He gave up the one thing that was important, the relationship he had with Jesus Christ. And I believe that what happened was that guilt took him over so much that he could not even bear it to the point that he didn't believe God was going to forgive him. And I believe that if he would have went to Jesus and asked for forgiveness, even at that moment, God at that instant would have said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I love you. And you can handle this. And I even believe, I believe this, that even the disciples, though they may have been ticked and mad and been disgusted with what he had done, I believe that they would have, at least a few of them would have taken him back in and said, you know what, we're going we're to forgive you too. And we're going to help restore you and build you and get you through these things. But the problem of it was, is Judas still was not willing to separate himself. And he felt like there was no return.
2: You know, Judas was a treasurer. And uh, I thought about how Matthew 6:19 and 20. I want you to throw that up there real quick. But he was a treasurer. And I know about that because I, I go back in the back with Miss Debbie Day as a treasurer. And there's a lot of responsibility to that. We don't play around with that what the tithes are, what the offerings are, what the build the house is. It's a lot of responsibility. And it's, very, it's a holy thing. It, it's a holy thing. And, and even as leaders here, where, where that money goes and everything that happens, it's, it's a holy thing. So for him to have the money back was a holy thing. And where it was supposed to go and what it, need to, what it needed to happen in that time was a holy thing. And you know, you have, that's a trust. But I, I want to read this because Jesus gave an example in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Don't hoard treasure down here. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust and, or worse stolen by burglars, stockpiled treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth, rust, and burglars. In letting Judas carry the money bag, watch this, Jesus showed us by the example what he meant because Judas was hoarding the money bag and Jesus said, don't hoard treasures down here. Get your treasure from heaven, the eternal thing. And you know what? Let me tell you something. It's, etern- it's an eternal thing that you need to do. That count, and I need to say something real quick because God just laid it on my heart while ago, and there's some people in here in this room that the body count that I just heard with the youth, some of you are not responsible because you got raped, some of you are not responsible of that body count. Now, I'm telling you, God just laid that on my heart while I go. There's somebody in here that you've been violated. You've been raped. And I know that might not be the same thing that we're talking about, but I'm telling you, God said that he wants to heal you today from your violation, from a disrespect that you've had. And if you'll just turn to the eternal count that God has. He even said, don't hoard your treasures here. Don't hoard the spiritual lust of things, of cars and money. I like cars. I like a nice home. But that ain't my first count. My spiritual count is right here. If I lost my home, I lost my home. God said he'll provide you. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all will be added unto you. See, Judas didn't seek first the kingdom of God. All his adding ended up in suicide. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so where, where Judas's treasure was, was where his heart was. Isn't it funny that that land ended up being spiritually Dead. Bowels opened. I think that's, that's the representation of hell itself. It's an opening of the bowels that are going to be opened. And, and I, I think that in this hour, that's going to be a time. God, That was a representation. Not just suicide itself. And I, and I want to speak to suicide in here in this room. Because some of you have contemplated that in this room. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to go to that place and lose your soul for one time that you've added up all this other stuff and I don't think I can handle this more anymore. And I don't think I can handle it. I'm telling you, I'm speaking. I'm speaking into that camera and I'm speaking here because God spoke and he said, they don't want to go there. He, ent- he ended up mentally disturbed. He lost his mind. Judas lost his mind. Are you walking around some people and you know know it? You know it. You know it. You see them and they're losing their minds right here, right now. They are are losing their minds out there. Some are like, I don't have any more money. I don't know what I'm going to do. They go from paycheck to paycheck. So they're hoarding money. They're hoarding their treasure because they don't know. That's why they can't give into the tithe. That's why they can't give into an offering because they go, I don't have any more money because I already spent it on all this. And Judas ended up saying, I've got to hoard this. But I'm telling you, there's people in the, on that camera. There's people in this room that have even thought about suicide. That's not the way you want to go. That's not the way you want to go. And Jesus forgives you for the things that happened. Just like she said, that if he came back to Jesus and asked for forgiveness, Jesus would have opened up his arms. He would have opened up his arms and said, I forgive you. But, Jen, and I'm going to touch base, and I want you to say what you told me earlier about the two thieves. I want you to, because this is so powerful, to end into that, because that's exactly where we are right now
1: at this point in time. As I was thinking about it with Judas and what he had done, and he was a thief and had literally come to the place of taking his own life. And what's crazy with what you said is he was an adder. Yeah. And the problem of it is, is so many times in our lives, I think the reason we are struggling and can become disturbed in our minds and don't settle with God is because we are adding up our, our value in the world. Yeah. We keep adding and keep adding and keep adding, and it never adds up because it will never be the value that it needs to be. It will never be what your husband needs. It'll never be what your wife needs. It'll never be what your kids need. It'll never be what your mama needs. It'll never be what your boss needs. It'll never be what your financial needs are. It will never be what your house needs are. It will never be all these kinds of things. And you continue to try to add and pull from here and do this and do that, and you think you got it for a moment. And it never adds up to the real value of your worth because just like Judas, you are not adding up your value with the kingdom of heaven and who you have the ability to sit at a table with. You have to add up yourself to what God says and I'm not saying you have to add up to God what I'm trying to say is beginning to look at yourself as he says and when you begin to look at yourself as what God is trying to tell you that you are loved that you are worthy that you have value that you are smart that you are caring that you are kind that you are lovable when he begins to say all those things then add those things up because it doesn't value. matter it doesn't matter what
2: happened to you it doesn't matter I, I'm just saying because see I was molested when I was 13 years old And somebody came in and locked the door, and I heard that thing behind me, and I didn't know what it meant. I was watching cartoons. Next thing I know, everything's upside down. I mean, I'm talking to somebody in here. I know it. But guess what? When I accepted Christ as my Savior, it added up for me. And it brought healing. And there's some in here, it doesn't matter if it was a violation to your body, it doesn't matter if it's, you've been hurt by, you You're lost your mom, or you are lost a best friend, or whatever it is, you can turn to Christ, and he can be the one that's going to add up for you. And some of you hide your stuff, just like Judas did. You hide your stuff because you don't want to expose that. And say, man, I don't, yeah, I don't really want to show everybody that because every time I show something, somebody else hurts me. You can show it to Christ. You can open up yourself and say, you know what? I don't want to hide anymore. Judas hid all that time. To the, Jesus knew everything that was going on. That's why he said, I'm going to give this example. Don't hoard treasures on earth. Do what you can for the eternal kingdom of God because you don't want to be in that pit that's going to be left like Judas and the bowels be opened. You can add up with Christ. You don't have to cover that up any longer. And Some of you hide that. Even little things. Even little things when you feel like that. You can't add up to something. It doesn't matter if you look in the mirror and you don't think that you can add up even in your own beauty. And even adding up as a father. But in Christ, you can add up in all things. You were made in his image, guys. And I can say, I have added up with Christ. It'd make your hair stand on ends if you only knew what me and Pop's been through. But I can say, we can stand right here and we are added up because of Christ, because of the cross. (laughs)
1: But the two thieves, what happens is I look at Judas, and Judas is a thief. And I think God, even on the cross, if you look at it, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, he had the two thieves that were hanging on the cross right next to him. And one became, turned from being a thief and became a beggar of his presence. And just like Judas, I think he was trying to say that Judas did this. Yeah, you may know me and you may have these things, but you can still. He used, I believe, the two thieves as as an example to redeem what happened with Judas to say there are two thieves. There are two options. You can either become a beggar of my presence or a thief of your own soul. You can either choose to beg and know, listen, I would rather be a beggar of God's presence and want more of him and want him to save my life and want to know that I add up in his value and what he has said for me, then I become so prideful that I can't lay down my pride and I die to my own flesh. And I think that's what it is right now is we have the love of money, we have things that are going on, we have... The things that are taking place, that we have things that have been stolen from us by other things. And what I think God is trying to say is that he came to take over the thief of your soul. (laughs) He came to overwhelm the thief of your soul, the thief of your mind, the thief, the thief of your relationships, the thief of your of your joy and your peace. He came to do that. But you have a choice You have a choice You can choose to hide See what's crazy is just like the two thieves on the cross Judas was right next to Jesus And you can be right next to Jesus And still not know who he is and still look at him in his face and tell him that I don't want to have anything to do with you by your actions, by the things that you do, by the things that you hide, by the things that you think won't matter. And I believe that other thief that was on the cross next to him really thought in his mind that it doesn't matter what I do, that you're not in control because he didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he mocked him. And so the other one who began to asked jesus christ to forgive him became that that beggar that one for the present see there's a difference between them right there's a difference between just being a beggar and then being a thief a thief takes and has no care but a beggar is asking and hoping for something in return that will fulfill them And the thing about it is, is Jesus looks at him and says, I'll see you in paradise. And forgiveness instantly comes. And what happens is his whole life is turned around. And no longer was he known as just a thief. He was known as a child of God. And I think that's the difference is right now we are struggling. And yes, these are heavy subjects when you talk about them. They are. Loving of money is a heavy subject because it's a deep root. And ain't nobody wants you to talk about it because nobody wants you to touch their money. And guess what? What's crazy is we aren't touching your money. We're not even talking about an offering right now. It has nothing to do with your money. What it has to do is your love of your money. What do you love? What do you love? What do you put over God? And and a lot of things we don't realize that money is actually tied to because, you know, you can't pay your bills without. You can't get in your car and drive to your job without you can't really have a job if you don't make right you don't take care of your family if you don't have right we're not even talking about just the fun stuff about vacation we're just talking about the basic you can't even go to the bathroom without right because somebody's got to pay for that right okay you can't drink water without Okay, so we're talking about basic necessities right now. And what happens is when the love of money, because we know that it is our source and supplies us, takes over the source and supplication of Jesus Christ, which that's the problem and take it at the feast. He was at the feast of supplication, of taking the com- communion and taking that time with God. And what he did is he forsook supplication from Jesus Christ and took on supplication of the world. Be treated so he chose to commune with the world instead of communing with God and here we are God again is giving the two examples on the cross of saying are you going to be a beggar of my presence are you going to want me more than what you've ever wanted anything before are you still going to be a thief and allow your own soul to die and I think that's the key
0: Why don't you guys stand with me? We're going to close this. It's, uh, you know what's crazy is when Jesus said that at the table, and you were talking about the bread, that's what they call it today, getting that bread, that money. He was dipping whatever he was dipping bread in and gave it to Judas. And then after that all happened, he said, go do what you need to do. Some versions say, do it swiftly, do it quickly, do it immediately. Go do it now. Get it done. And what's crazy is he ups and leaves, but yet he still gave him the bread. And when you do communion, what's the bread represent? Does it represent the body that's broken? He was already pre-telling him, my body's going to be broken for you either way my body's going to be broken for you either way, that he still could, I'm still going to die on the cross and save from your sins that are against me, I'm still going to be broken. And guess what happens after this, this whole incident? Jesus hands all the bread out, hands out the drink, and he has communion. And the, the craziest thing Jesus is already preset in his mind like, listen, no matter what you do to me, I'm still going to be broken for you. And I think what we have to get to now is we got to get to a place personally in ourselves that, yes, do we work hard for what we have? Absolutely. But that love of it, of the money thing, that's not, that's not what should drive you. Be driven by the Lord. It's just like he says, It, it, it is, and, it, and we're living proof of, it, of of what God's been doing, but it is definitely better to give than receive. Like, I can't help but wait. I can't. I mean, it, it, it's so exciting to, to be able to give away. Like, there's times I'll just get my wallet and just get. I don't care. I don't think, like, well, maybe, you know, I need that for that. No, if God tells me to do something, I'm doing it. Because he has a reason why I do it, for what I need to do, and he will supply. I shouldn't have to think if I should be obedient to give in tithing, or if I should be obedient to give to somebody that needs money or something. I should not have to think like, well, you know, I don't know if I should do that because this money right here is set aside for this thing. This right here controls a lot of people and you question what God has asked you to do, you instantly almost want to question if you should do it because it's meant for something else. I get we have to balance. I get all of that. But if God asks you to give, do not hesitate to give. I know that there is people in this room, whether you've struggled with it, hoarding it. It's that barter promise. We're bartering for this this moment that could cost a lifetime and not even realize it. And I don't know if, like what my mom was saying, if anybody has struggled and, and still are dealing with abuse. That's a serious thing. That is very, very serious. And I'll tell you right now, No matter what hole has been put in your heart, Jesus Christ can fill that hole and make it whole again. Amen? And has anybody else been a product of him filling the hole in your heart? Amen. It's the truth. We live that out, so we help in that. I'm going to pray, and if you need prayer, uh, these altars are open. We want to pray with you, whether it's with money, whether it's the the thoughts, because let's be real about it. We deal too much with people around with the thoughts of suicide. I mean, the last thing I heard, and I was shocked, that CEO of of Texas Roadhouse killing himself because he had symptoms of COVID-19. That's crazy to think that your life is not worth living. To buy in the lie of the enemy, to think that you can trade it in, a murdered promise, to end it so it won't, it, everything will go away. That is a lie. You know, dealing with youth ministry, how many teenagers that we have heard and had to help friends of, of kids that have committed suicide. And adults that have thought about it, and kids that have thought about it. Please open your eyes and see the people around you. And if you struggle with that, please talk to somebody. Nobody's here to condemn you. Nobody's here to say, well, you're that's messed up. No. We want to help you and lift you up and give you hope. It's only found in Jesus Christ. He's only gonna change it.
2: If they stay in the dark, if they stay in the dark and don't say anything, it'll never come to the light. Yeah. Ever. And I think there's people in here that need to step to their step to step out in it so you can't be healed because you know if you step take a step of faith take a step of faith and when I gave my heart to the Lord they said if you'll just go tell somebody so I started making phone calls you think the drug dealer didn't come to my house with a whole thing of free cocaine and said no come here And I said, no, 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 no. Guess what happened to me today? I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I led one drug dealer after the other, after the other, after... You didn't hear that. See, because when you bring something, you take a step. You step out of the dark so you can come to the light. And some of you just stay in your little thing and say, you know what, I, I don't want anybody to see that. I don't want anybody to know that. When in reality, if you'll take your step, there's so many people that will hold your arms up to help you get through that. And I'm telling you, there's a pull in my heart about it Won't you close your eyes. If you need to grab somebody else's hand and say, hey, will you walk out there, walk down there with me? Will you just walk down there with me? And you might even have to say, hey, do you need to go down there? I know in my heart with everything within me there's a struggle in this room I don't care if it's a mental struggle I don't, I don't care if it's you feel like that you don't add up I want you to come if you've struggled with suicide, if you have struggled with things that you think that you don't add up, I know there's a, I, I know that I know with everything within me that I don't pull on my heart like that. Unless he's pulling by the Spirit of God, there's a pull-in here today. Once you come if you're struggling, come on.
1: worship jesus for a minute and ask those that are coming forth if you aren't struggling with any of this maybe stretch out your hands and pray over them that god will help begin to relieve and and help relieve the stress and the struggle of things that are weighing so heavy maybe on their minds and that maybe be holding them and if you haven't come forward but you know that god's just dealing just stay and allow him to deal in your heart right where you are as we continue to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords amen come on